Numbers chapter 13, we're going to begin reading at verse 25, facing the future with confidence. Can we do that? Yes, we can, by the grace of God. Numbers 13, beginning at verse 25. When they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim. The sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you, Father, that you are our strength. You're our provision. You're our God who keeps every promise that you have made. And Father, enable us by your grace to see that we can face the future with confidence because of who you are and what you have promised to do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I read a story about a truck that was traveling down the road in Barcelona, Spain. And in the back of that truck was an empty coffin. Well, there was a farmer who was hitchhiking. And he got into that truck and driving down the road and it started to rain. And so he opened up the coffin and discovered it was empty. So he climbed in and closed the lid, didn't want to get wet and... Lo and behold, a couple other guys ended up hitchhiking and were also riding in the back of that truck with the man in the coffin. And while they're riding in that truck, they notice the, uh, the, the, the coffin opening up. And this guy sits up and he says, oh, it's, it stopped raining. <laughs> and those two hitchhikers were so scared While this truck is driving down the road, they both jumped out. One of them actually died. And I wonder, did he get a free coffin? I don't know. I guess it was used because that man was sleeping in there. But you talk about fear. Wow, can you imagine something like that happening? You know, there are many things in life that cause us to fear. Some of them are unexpected things like that. You just don't expect someone... To sit up in a coffin. 
But there are other things that cause us to fear, and maybe one of the most common fears that people face is fear of the future. And I think there's a couple reasons why we might fear the future. Number one, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. It is the unknown, right? If something is unknown, we, we don't know what to expect, that can cause us to, to be afraid. And then we also realize that there are many things about which we have little or no control. Now, some people think they can just kind of, you know, control their life, right? They've got it all planned out and everything's going to work out. Let me tell you, it is silly to think that we have control over every event of our lives. We don't. And so we question, right? What if, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? And our mind just starts to wander and we, we, we build up all these scenarios that could come our way. And pretty soon, what are we doing? We're just fearful of what may come. Is it possible to face the future with confidence? I would suggest to you that our text says yes. Yes, indeed. By the grace of God, we can face the future with confidence. Notice, first of all, we can face the future with confidence because of God's promise. Of all the promises that God gave to the people of Israel, the one that he repeated perhaps the most often was the promise that he was going to give them the land of Canaan. God gave this promise at least, at least recorded in Scripture, at least six times to Abraham. He gave it at least three times to Jacob. And that promise was repeated over and over again throughout Old Testament history. I have a uh, cross-reference in my Bible at Genesis 12:7, which is the first promise uh, given to Abraham. And there are over 30 references in that section of the times in which that promise was repeated. And there are probably more than that. This was a promise that God didn't want his people to forget. So now in Numbers 13, they're at the doorstep of Canaan. The time has finally come for them to set foot in the land. And remember what God told Moses, every place your feet stand, I've given you that land. They were ready to do that. And so God wanted them to be sure that this was a promise that they could count on. In verse 1 of chapter 13, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send out for yourself men, so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. That sounds like a promise, right? Which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. So God wasn't telling them, if you try really hard, <laughs> you can do it. No. He was telling them to claim it. He says, I am going to give you this land. Go and take it. You have my word. When David Livingstone sailed for Africa the first time, there was a, a group of men that, that, that met him as he was leaving uh, the pier. And there was one uh, individual who was very concerned about him leaving England. And he urged him not to go. And he gave him every uh, thing that could happen, and he was just trying to convince him. And Livingstone, in response, he opened his Bible to Matthew 28, the, the Great Commission, and he read the phrase, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Then he closed his Bible and he said, 
That, my friend, is the word of a gentleman. So let us be going. What was it? It was the promise of God. He was standing on the promise of God. This is what God has said, and he was going to believe and stand upon that truth. Many years later, Livingstone spoke at the University of Glasgow, and he asked the question, he said, Would you like me to tell you what supported me through all these years? And he turned back to that same promise he had shared years ago. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Now, if I made a promise to you that I am going to come to your house at 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, would you trust me? Would you believe that I am a man of my word? And that if I say I'm going to do something, that I will be there. How many of you would trust me? Now, could you trust me with 100% confidence that I would be there? I don't think any of you would raise your hand, right? Because there are things that could happen that would enable me to not keep that promise, that would forbid me to keep that promise. I could get sick, right? My car could break down, right? I could get in an accident. I could die while I'm preaching. Wouldn't that be interesting, huh? You couldn't be 100% confident that a promise I make that I will keep. There's just too many things that could happen. You will never have to worry about that with God's promise, will you? His word is True, it is sure, it is faithful, it is steadfast. And so if God makes a promise, stand on it, right? Trust it. He cannot lie. And there's nothing that He has said that He will not do. 1 Kings 8.56 is one of the verses I love. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to His people Israel according to all that He promised. And get this, not one word has failed of all His good promises. Is that great? Not one word. So why can you face the future with confidence? If you're standing on the promises of God, you can, right? You can. So we need to know those promises. We need to be in God's Word So we can stand on the promises of God. That's how we face the future with confidence. Notice, secondly, we can face the future with confidence, not only because of God's promise, but because of God's preview. (laughs) Oh, and I hear the word preview. I think of being in a movie, uh, watching a movie. How many times you're sitting there, come on, let's just get the movie going. Preview after preview after preview after preview. It's just like... Ah, get me out of here, right? Well, they want to show you something that is going to come. God did that with the people of Israel. Numbers 13.2 tells us that God directed Moses to send one man from every tribe, 12 men, to spy out the land, to preview the land. But if you look at Deuteronomy 1.22, this was in response to the request of the people. 
And it was probably out of fear that they asked for this, so God told them, send these 12 men to see what they're about to face. Two things God wanted them to see. First, the land. Verse 17, when Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, he said to them, go up there into the Negev, then go up to the hill country, see what the land is like. Verse 20, how is the land? Is it fat or lean? Are there trees in it or not? Make an effort to get some of the fruit of the land because it was the time for ripe grapes. Make you hungry? I love grapes. Why do you suppose God wanted the spies to see what the land was like? I believe God wanted to encourage them, showing them the wonderful plan that He had for them, that land that was flowing with milk and honey. Let's see what it's like. Bring back some of its fruits. <laughs> and they did. And they, they must have been really big grapes because it says, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes and they carried it on a pole between two men. <laughs> Those must have been wonderful grapes. So God says, I want to show you what you have to look forward to. I want to give you a preview of what is to come. And that's the kind of preview I'd like, like to see, right? What, what God showed them. And then the second thing God wanted them to see in the land of Canaan was the people, which is quite interesting. Verse 18, see what the land is like and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. What did they find? They found that there were giants there. There were very large people there. Why on earth did God want them to see the giants there if they're going to be encouraged to claim that land? When I read that, I thought of my son-in-law, Lydia's husband. He's a giant, 6'9". And when you try to play basketball against him, it's not always very fun. If you can outrun him, that's one thing. But if you can't, you are... You're in trouble. Reminds me of playing against Kevin McHale in high school, 6'11". Some of you young people have no idea who he is, but he was a star high school, college, and professional basketball player, and he was, he was big. So why did God want them to see the, the people of the land that were so large? I think at least part of the reason is that they needed to see, they needed God in this whole Escapade. He wanted them to understand that they couldn't do it in their own strength. They needed to cry out to Him for help. God was giving them an opportunity to trust Him. Do you like those opportunities to trust Him? Those aren't always the funnest, are they? <laughs> because it's often in a situation where we're looking at something that is probably bigger than we think we can handle and God is saying, okay, are you going to trust me? Are you? <laughs> Those opportunities to trust Him really go against the flesh, don't they? Because we want to have a little control over things and we don't want to have to come to the place where we say, well, Lord, I, there's nothing I can do. I just, oh, I'm just going to have to trust You, right? As if that is just the, the worst thing in the world, right? I'm just going to have to trust the almighty, omnipotent God. So, what happened? Most of the spies, ten of the spies, they didn't 
They didn't think they could trust God. They, they, they gave in to fear. Verse 25, or verse 27. We went into the land where you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's some fruit carrying on a pole between two men. Nevertheless, there's always a but, right? It was great, but all the people who live in the land are strong. And the cities, they are fortified and very large. And we saw the descendants of Anak there. And then they listed all the groups of people. Amalek is living in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they're living in the hill country. The Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. It's just like, this is just way, way, way too overwhelming. But then you got Caleb. Love Caleb, verse 30. He quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the man who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people. They're too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone, it devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw are men of great size. In fact, they said, We felt like grasshoppers. We felt like little bugs in their sight, and they looked at us the same way. So there. (laughs) That's why we can't go. They're bigger than we are. And so fear literally paralyzed them, didn't it? From moving forward. Ever been paralyzed by fear? So afraid that you just, I cannot face this. I cannot take this. I cannot move forward. But if you look at Numbers 14, it it, it got worse. Not only did their fear prevent them from moving forward, it even caused them to want to go backward. Verse 1 of chapter 14, it says, Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. Notice all the congregation. Verse 2, all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, would that we had just died in Egypt. Or would that we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land? To fall by the sword? Does He want to kill us? Is that why He brought us here? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better just to go back to Egypt? So they said, let's appoint a leader Let's get rid of Moses and Aaron. Let's just go back to Egypt. So think of it. The preview of the blessings of the land was overcome by the preview of the challenge that they'd be facing. They refused to believe what God had said. Now, there are many things about the future that we don't know, right? Lots of things about the future that we don't know. But there are some things that we can know. God gives us a preview in His Word. And it is quite similar to what was given to the Israelites. He shows us that the journey to our heavenly homeland won't be easy. There will be challenges. There will be opportunities to trust Him, right? Life is not always easy. We know that. 
But God encourages us by telling us that there are blessings in store for us in the future. Our heavenly homeland will be more glorious than anything we could ever imagine. And when we get there, you know what we're going to say? It was worth it all. (laughs) It was worth it all, right? You might think, when I get there, there's a few questions I want to ask the Lord. (laughs) Any of you thought that? Events of your life. i got a few things I want to ask Jesus. I don't think you're going to ask Jesus when you get there. You're going to say, boy, that doesn't really matter. That does not matter at all. When you're in the presence of Jesus, you will be so enthralled by His glory and majesty and the glories of what God has prepared, our heavenly promised land. Those things are not going to matter one single bit, right? It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. The Apostle Paul understood this well. In Acts chapter 20, he says this to the Ephesian elders, He says, now I I, I am bound in spirit. I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. However, I do know this. (laughs) The Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. That I do know. That I know that there will be challenges along the way. But he says, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself that I might finish my course in the ministry that God has given me. So then he writes in 2 Timothy 4, he came to the end of the road, he had finished the race, he had kept the faith. And what does he say at verse 8? In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So Paul faced the future with confidence because he knew what was in store for him. God had made it clear to him. He had given him a preview. (laughs) It's going to be a challenge along the way. You're going to have to trust me. But Paul, when you get to glory, you're going to say it was worth it all. You're going to say it was worth it all. So are we going to trust him or are we going to give in to fear? We need to trust Him, right? Facing the future with confidence. Thirdly, we can face the future with confidence because of God's presence. If you look at how Caleb and Joshua saw the future, you see an attitude that was just completely the opposite of those ten spies. And remember, these were leaders from all the tribes. They were to be the leading men among the tribes. And ten of them were cowering in fear. If they were the leaders, <laughs> wow. So here's Caleb and Joshua. Instead of being fearful of what was to come, they were confident. Look at chapter 14, verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly of the congregation. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh of those who had spied out the land tore their clothes and they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel saying, the land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then He will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. 
Do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey, he says. So why in the world did Caleb and Joshua believe the Canaanites would be their prey when all the other spies were just cowering in fear? The answer is found at the end of verse 9. They said their protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. That's the key, right? It wasn't that Caleb and Joshua were, you know, just mighty strong men. That wasn't it at all. They said, God is with us. We don't need to be afraid. I love what Paul says in Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? And that does not mean that there won't be forces against us, right? We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. There are forces against us, but if God is for us, what does it matter who is against us, right? That's what Paul is saying. So we face the future with Jesus. And that's what makes the difference. When we walk hand in hand with Jesus, with His presence in our lives, conscious of that daily, it makes a difference in how we live. I see people all over the place today that are cowering in fear. What's happening to this world? The violence and all that's going on. Just curl up in a ball and just hide. We don't need to fear. We have the presence of of Jesus. Notice finally we can face the future with confidence because of God's provision. The people of Israel had a history that was filled with examples of God's provision. I mean, you just go back to the, the, all the signs and wonders and, and, and the deliverance from Egypt, a, a cloud by day and a fire by night, manna from heaven, water from the rock. I mean, God provided for them every step of the way. But guess what? They soon forgot all that God had done for them. Go back just a few chapters to chapter 11 and you see an amazing display of God's provision and feeding them. They were complaining. All we get is this manna stuff, right? And how else can you fix manna, right? Other than manna bread and manna souffle and and, uh, whatever else. We want meat. That's what they said. So God says, you want meat? I'll give you meat. And he brought in quail from the sea. And it was so much quail, it says that it was about a day's journey on this side and a day's journey on the other side of the camp. So walk, a, I don't know how far you can walk in a day, but imagine walking that far in a day and there is quail everywhere. You know how deep it was? Two cubits. You know what a cubit is? From here to here, about 18 inches. 18 inches times 2 is 36 inches. That's 3 feet. You want meat? We have the meats. 
That's what uh, Barbie says. Well, God said that a long time ago. We have the means. So that was just a few chapters before this. And they forgot about God's power. And God was amazed. Chapter 14, verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people spurn me? And how long will they not believe in me despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst? I wonder if the Lord ever says about us, how long are these people not going to believe me? How long will they go on not trusting me? And not believing me is described as spurning him. Think of that. That's really what it is. If we doubt God, what are we saying about Him? He's not trustworthy. He's not faithful. He's not true. So the people of Israel just didn't seem to get it. Now, I wish we could say that we're different, right? We look at the Israelites and we look at the uh, disciples and we say, Oh man, how dumb can you be? You know? How silly can you be? You've seen all of these miracles and then you don't trust Him. I'd like to suggest to you that we are more like them than, than we want to admit, aren't we? We'd like to think we are, but I'm not so sure. The challenges that we face can sometimes appear to be daunting. And it's easy to give in to fear in our flesh, but God has cared for His people in every generation, right? Every generation. And with childlike trust, childlike faith, we need to trust Him. I remember as a child when we'd be traveling from Cloquet to Upper Michigan. I never questioned whether my dad had enough money to put gas in the tank. I never questioned that he had enough to feed us on the way and while we were there. It never occurred to me. (laughs) Why? Because I just trusted. My dad had proved faithful. He always fed us. and, And that's the kind of childlike trust. I read about a man who, who said that of all the experiences in his life that he could remember, there was nothing that gave him such great joy as when a little child looked up into his face and put up his tiny hand and said, could you take me across the street to the other side? He looked down at that little child and he said, I would be Happy to take you to the other side. As we journey through life, this is the kind of childlike trust that we need. We know that we can't make it safely to the other side on our own, so we need to say to the Father, can you take me to the other side? Can you take me across the Jordan? Can you take me to the other side? And I think our Heavenly Father would say, I would be happy. (laughs) That would give me great joy to take you through this journey of life, bring you to the glories of heaven, take you to the other side. Have you asked the Father to take you to the other side? 
Are you facing the future with firm reliance upon Him? You can rest assured that He will be faithful. He will bring you safely to the promised land because Jesus, He has provided the way, right? He has won the victory for you and I on the cross. I love how Paul describes it in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. He said, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. And He will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You that You are the one who goes before us. You're the one who stands behind. You are the God of angel armies. You are the one who provides and protects and keeps every promise that You have given in Your Word. Father, help us to be people of Your Word. People who read and meditate and believe and stand upon those promises that You've given to us. You have been faithful, Lord, to every generation. And we can trust You with our lives today. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for the price You paid, taking our sin all the way to the cross. And we won't have to cross Jordan alone, because we belong to you. These things we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.